When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What kind of equipment do you need to ensure wireless service continues in a disaster? Verizon executive Maggie Hallback joins me to talk about that and how the company harnesses the power of Thor. No, really. I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. Well, there's something you mentioned earlier that I wanted to circle back on, and that was Thor, because there wasn't a lot of context for our listeners, just for uh, context for... The Thor yeah, is a, so what is, is, first, what is Thor? What is Thor? Yes. It's a first what responder is, vehicle, right? So tell me about what yeah. Thor is and how it works. So it stands for, it's an acronym because, you know, Verizon loves acronyms. <laughs> it stands for Tactical Humanitarian Operational Response Vehicle. And what we did was we really built it with a full catastrophic disaster in mind. And we had a lot of feedback from federal, state, and local first responders as to what Thor needed to have on board. Mm-hmm. And we can go ahead and share some of the specs uh, with you. But uh, the key idea is one of the problems with a wireless network when you go into a disaster where it's literally wiped out an entire environment Mm -hmm. is getting the quote unquote backhaul. And what is backhaul? Well, backhaul is the fiber that runs from the cell towers back to the network. Well, what's amazing about Thor, and this was the challenge we gave to our research and engineering team was design an advanced tactical vehicle that could literally create its own cellular network without Mm. having to be connected to anything. So literally Thor can come in, it's got its own onboard generators, it can throw up satellite dishes, it has a, a 5G core in it, it also has 4G in it, and it literally Mm. can create a cellular network in an entirely tetherless way. It also has a accompanying trailer um, that actually allows you to set up a a microwave shot Mm. that can expand the cellular footprint even further than just Thor's um, general geographic. So it can replicate And arguably, you could actually set up multiple of these trailers to actually create a bigger and bigger footprint of a 5G um, uh, footprint to support uh, communications in a full-on kind of, you know, um, disaster where everything is is eliminated in that that space. So that's really an example. Yep. Of a prototype that literally is driving around. So well, let me let me let me ask about that. Then is it as it was mentioned as one of a kind? It's a prototype. Has Thor seen any action? Yes, yes. Okay. As a matter of fact, it has. Um, so uh, an example, and again, I think we've done some some 
you know, white papers on this. We actually supported the Afghan refugee crisis at Quantico. Mm -hmm. Um, So Quantico was housing thousands of Afghan refugees when um, there was the uh, uh, Afghan evacuation. And um, as you can imagine, the the network um, at at Quantico is a locked down environment. Um, And Mm -hmm. so uh, we were able to deploy Thor to support the needs, the humanitarian needs on site at Quantico. Um, and so that was just a, a quick example of the humanitarian aspect of Thor and its immediate kind of mobile capabilities. So in a matter of hours, we were able to see that there was a need. In a matter of uh, days, we were able to send Thor, deploy Thor, and, and it performed very, very well in support of uh, the DOD. Well, let's talk about some of those disasters that Verizon Frontline had to respond to last year because there were a lot. It was a bad year, um, and there were unfortunately a lot of disasters. I guess fortunately for Verizon, there was lots of business for Frontline. Uh, talk a little bit about the role that Frontline played in some of these disasters and how you know how it's evolved or how you've grown this team over this last year. Yes. So you are right. Unfortunately, we had um, over 2,000 deployments, um, Mm -hmm. and that is a record year. Um, The extreme nature of weather is obviously contributing to a lengthier fire season, um, more violent uh, storms. Um, Tornadoes are occurring in areas that historically have not seen tornado activity Um, And these things tend to wreak havoc on critical communications, whether Mm -hmm. it is a cellular network, whether it is an LMR network, um, our first responders need help um, in these scenarios to ensure continuous communications. Um, And so our uh, Verizon crisis response team is an entirely uh, free service Um, It is available to not just Verizon subscribed public safety uh, customers, but to any public safety customer, government, um, uh, federal agency, um, you name it. Um, It is served through a very simple 1-800 number. um, And we are uh, structured around geographic territories for that team. um, And it is a simple phone call. And uh, based on the need of the caller, uh, we then do an assessment of the required technologies. So it could be something as straightforward as a uh, a response to a uh, pop-up for a testing center for vaccinations um, or COVID tests uh, where there might be just a need for cellular devices. It could be something more dramatic, uh, like a wildfire setting where there is a need to increase communications in rugged terrain um, where cellular coverage may be, um, you know, spotty. And so those are the types of examples where we assess uh, those uh, use cases, and then we deploy our resources accordingly. Yeah, tell me about how, and and I'm assuming you have teams around the country so you can deploy closer to the notice. Right. So 
tell me about like how that works because uh, you're talking about how you you had to assess the different situations. Is you know, like how how do you respond to a for instance you know a wildfire like the ones we saw in California versus that winter storm slash cold snap that hit Texas? Uh, these are all kind of wildly different situations. Are there sort of common problems that you have to solve, or do you really have to figure out specific solutions for these specific problems? So we have an entire toolkit of services. So um, uh, our West region for the California wildfires, uh, Curtis Mentz, who runs the West region for us, um, knows uh, the um, public safety officials all throughout the West region very well, first name basis. Um, in many instances. Um, and we've pre-built kits that allow us to go and deploy very quickly. Um, mm-hmm. And those kits can be RF repeaters uh, where we're propagating a cell signal. Um, it can be, as I mentioned, a deployment of a communications station at a centralized base station to augment a command center. Um, they can be also just supporting American Red Cross and getting phone charger stations set up uh, for people that have been displaced by the fire or who are in emergency shelters and are trying to call back uh, to loved ones to let them know that they're safe. Mm -hmm. So um, these scenarios have somewhat of a pattern uh, that allow us to uh, pre-stage and to kit uh, these uh, packages that allow the teams that are deploying personally in their Verizon trucks with their spot trailers or their cows or their colts um, to have all of that equipment on board. But I would also say they're a tremendously resourceful group. They're very technically astute and they also have the ability to make decisions on the fly. Um, You know, I check in with them on a regular basis to make sure folks have you know, access to uh, lodging, uh, that they're uh, getting downtime and rest. Um, but at, at the same token, they also recognize that they're responding to a disaster. Um, and so they really work very closely in the emergency operations centers um, and with the commanders of those scenes to mm-hmm. make sure that Verizon is bringing what's necessary to the situation. Got it. Uh, now, Talking about disasters, I have to bring up uh, 2018 when uh, your company had throttled the fire department's unlimited data back in California during a wildfire. Uh, I'm curious. I know that predates Verizon Frontline, but I'm curious what or how some of the lessons learned from that uh, kind of influenced how the service is provided today. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it's a great question, and then it's an important one. Um Our public safety rate plans are built very specifically for public safety. Mm. And we want to ensure, and we have an entire team of sales professionals that are out there ensuring that our public safety customers are on the public safety rate plans that Mm. they are entitled to. And so our entire focus is ensuring that when you are a public safety customer and you have a mission to serve and that communication device that's in your hand is the communication device that you're going to be using when you need it most in those disasters, the examples that we just went through, 
Mm-hmm. It's absolutely mm-hmm. crucial that we know who that customer is and we get them onto the right public safety rate plan with the right capabilities that we described earlier. So having access to priority, having access to preemption, having access to our full public safety uh, solution portfolio, uh, that is absolutely crucial. And that will ensure that that does not ever happen again. Got it. Uh, Looking at the, the situation, again, 2021, Lots and lots of disasters. I'm, you know, it's obviously hard to predict, but like, how are you preparing for 2022 or for this year and the rest of this year? Um, I mean, do you think that we'll we'll have the sort of the same rate, especially given sort of changing climate and weather? Or like, how how are you preparing for things? The worst case scenario. Yeah. So we we don't get into the business of prognostication on uh, weather forecasts, Mm -hmm. but we know enough about the fact that you should always plan for the worst and hope for the best. Um, It is one of the reasons why we continue to harden the network and continue to invest in things like generator penetration. you know, there was a, there was some flooding on the outer banks of North Carolina during one of the recent hurricanes. We had anticipated we needed to elevate our generators, right? Mm-hmm. So thinking about those types of things, really sweating the details. Okay, if we need to elevate the generators, how high should the generators be elevated? Is it five feet? Is it six feet? What's the pros and cons of servicing the generator versus having it above flood stage? Those Mm. are the kinds of details that during the blue sky planning, we sweat. Um, Our uh, global network and technology team is second to none. Uh, They really understand the importance of a network availability. Another example is battery backup and making sure that every single one of our sites have. Uh, battery backup, that those are tested. um, And we're ensuring that in a disaster, we know exactly how the network is performing. uh, Because before that commercial power can come back on, we go to battery, then we go to generator. So those are a couple of quick examples. The final thing is also training our teams. It is absolutely crucial that our teams are fit as we head into hurricane season. And yep. so ensuring that we have good training process, that they have the right comms uh, approach, that we have the right uh, uh, engagement with the emergency operations centers in each of the states, mm-hmm. um, particularly in the hurricane zone. Um, and so doing planning sessions with the EOCs um, in each of those affected states so that you're not meeting the EOC teams for that state for the first time or that county for the first time during right. the disaster. So those are some examples of how we work on planning for uh, the upcoming uh, tough seasons as we head into the summer. But again, right. we can always hope that this will be a calm hurricane and fire season. That's it for the second part of my three-part interview with Maggie Halbach. Check out the final part tomorrow. If you have any questions, ping me on Twitter at Roger W. Chang. And if you liked what you heard, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us out. For the Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening. <laughs>